Well, good morning, everybody. Man, it it's gorgeous out. Like, I feel like fall is just like right around the corner, so I'm super excited. Um, yes, I like have to admit, like I already got a pumpkin spice, uh, what are they called, nitro cold brew. Like I've been waiting 365 days for those bad boys to come out again. So, um, but it's just so good to see all of you. Oh my gosh, I. I don't know about you, but I've like thoroughly enjoyed this um, this time of worship that we've had for what three weeks now. Um, it's just been such a joyous occasion to be with you and to see all your faces, um, even if they're kind of covered a little bit. But um, we've been going through this series uh, called "Where Do You Fit?" and this idea of the gifts that God has given you and where do you fit? Like, what's your purpose in life? And I think that's one of the, the big questions of life, right? Not just in Christianity, but just in life, right? We want to know, what, what's my purpose in life? Am I just random? Or is there something that is, a, a, there's a bigger purpose for me out in this world? And that's what we've been talking about these past couple of weeks. And would love to just kind of uh, go over the things that we've talked about. Pastor Matt has done an amazing job with this series. And actually, this has been one of my favorite series um, to look forward to and to, to hear about. And so we've talked about this idea of who do you do it for? Who do you do it for? Who, who do you use your talents and gifts for? Do you use it for yourself? Do you use it for a loved one? Or do you do it for the one who gave you the gifts, God? Who do you do it for? And then the other question that we've been asking is what story uh, are you building with your life? Are you building the right puzzle, the, the idea that God has given you? Or are you just going off on your own, kind of randomly doing whatever you want? The other question, we, or the idea we've been talking about is, we belong as one, not one. We're not just an individual, but we are a part of a body. We are parts of the body of Christ, and we individually come together to, uh, to unify and become one body. And then the last week we talked about, it's not your fit. Sorry, it's about your fit, not your spot. It's about your fit, not your spot. Not necessarily trying to shove yourself into a place just because you want either whatever it is, the praise, or you feel like that's where you need to be. Um, But it's about the the mold that God has given you and finding your perfect spot. And, And so we've been using this puzzle analogy. We've been using puzzles to kind of help us understand this. And guys, gotta be honest. I hate puzzles. I hate them so much. Like, I don't have the attention span for that. If you know me, you're like, oh, I'm not surprised, right? Like, I, I, my ADD is like, oh, my gosh. Even the big ones, right? I just, I can't. I can't sit down for a long period of time and work on a puzzle, especially those, like, like super detailed, small pieces, beautiful picture. I just can't. I can't do it. And I'm, I'm one of those people, I don't know what it is. I don't know if you call it, like, patience or tolerance but I feel like it's the thing that you develop when you're a parent and like your kids are running around like crazy and you're able to just like still watch tv and tolerate them running around right like I I can't I don't have that and so like I am that person we talked about last week like it's it's you can't like shove the piece into the spot it doesn't fit because then it'll break well I'm that person that's like I don't care I'm just gonna put you in there that's your fit that you belong there now and I just, I get so angry. I get so upset because I just can't, I can't like just comprehend it. I can't figure it out. And so I get frustrated and I'm like, I'm done. 
game over, whatever, going to bed. But here's what's even worse, right? Let's just say you're with a couple of friends, right? And you're, pu- you're doing a puzzle. For some reason, I always picture like when people are doing these like intricate puzzles, they're like at a log cabin, they have some tea, by a fire, and the only reason they're doing a puzzle is because there's no TV at the cabin, right? Like, that's kind of how I pictured it. And so you're up all night, chatting, laughing, hanging out, putting the puzzle together, and then everybody goes upstairs, right? And then they, they didn't fi- we didn't finish the puzzle because it's just so intricate and so detailed, and it's taking us forever, and we have an early morning tomorrow, whatever, so you go to bed. Then you wake up the next morning to come downstairs and to find all your hard work has been scattered all over the floor because the dog came by and knocked it over and then he actually came by and ate a piece. Oh my gosh, are you serious? I would, explosion in my mind, right? You worked so hard, you put all this time to build this puzzle and you didn't want to do the puzzle in the first place but all your friends are like, Connor, you have to do it anyways. You're like, let's do it and then boom, gone in an instant and isn't that life isn't that how life works isn't that when we have this perfect picture of what life is supposed to be like we finally found our fit we found our spot and we're like man everything's good I found my church I found my people you know maybe you just got married and you're like I found my spouse everything's perfect everything's good and then life hits and knocks your puzzle right off the table. That's how it works, right? And, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be finishing this series today about what happens when the puzzle gets knocked off the table. What do you do? What do you do when life hits and situations are difficult and the, the things that you thought were going to happen didn't happen and you had this plan and the strategy Life mapped out, and then it just didn't work. What do you do? What do you do? And so today, we're going to talk about the idea of how to succeed by adapting. I'm going to say that word a lot today. By the time of this message, you're going to be like, I get it, Connor. Adapt. Good. Because that's what we need to do. If we're going to stay in our fit or even find our fit, we have to learn to adapt. We have to learn to adapt. And when I think of adapting, like when I was writing this message, all I could think of is that picture of that, I don't know his name, but that survival dude, he's pointing at you, and he has a British accent. He says, improvise, survive, overcome, adapt, whatever, right? I th- when you think of adapt, you're like, okay, survival, right? Like I'm out in the woods, and I have to kill to eat and make a fire and make clothes out of leaves, right? Or you think of, just a new environment. Like, I remember, I think we've all remembered and tried to, like, block out, like, our middle school years, right? Those, those years of going from elementary school to middle school and then middle school to freshman and high school and even freshman to high, or senior high school to freshman. Like, we have to adapt. We have to overcome challenges. We have to be like water, right? We have to take shape of the environment that we're in. Right? When you pour water in a glass, what does it do? It takes the shape of a glass. When you pour it in a bowl, what does it do? Shape of a bowl, right? And so that's kind of this idea of what we're talking about today. If we're going to continue to do what God has called us to do, to continue to use our gifts, and to continue to navigate and to move forward, we have to learn to adapt. 
We have to learn to overcome the obstacles that is ahead of us and do what is necessary to keep moving forward. I'll say that again. We must overcome the obstacles that are ahead of us and do what is necessary to keep moving forward so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do. So we're going to see how does God allow us to adapt um, and, and mold into the situation that we're in. And so if you could real quickly, if you have a Bible, um, if you have a Bible app or whatever, go ahead and pull that out right now. We're going to be in 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11. Um, that's going to be kind of our anchor verse of today. And uh, if you love taking notes and stuff like that, I would take that out because you and I, are, we're going to go and dive deep. We're going to go and see what God has for us, the challenge that God has set before us onto how to adapt. So I'm going to pray really quickly. Um, if you guys would join me, that would be awesome. Heavenly Father, we just love you and thank you. Thank you for again providing another beautiful morning. Thank you for keeping the rain away. Thank you for allowing us to meet. God, um, I pray that today that you would— <laughs> Allow Connor to just take a sit back and allow the Holy Spirit to take a step forward, God. Allow the Word of God to do the, the life-changing here today, God. Uh, I pray for everybody in this room um, that we can just set everything that is distracting us before you and that we would eliminate those things and that we would open up our hearts to you and your Word in First Peter. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11. Each of you should use whatever gift you have, have received to serve others as faithful stewards uh, of God's grace in its various form. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Um, so here's the context of, uh, of this passage. I think context is, is what changed my view of Scripture um, dramatically. When I understood the context of, of why is this person writing to this person in, in this way. So in 1 Peter, uh, it's written by the Apostle Peter. He was one of the, the, the OG guys, right? He was one of the original guys to see and live life with Jesus. And so he was one of the, you know, one of the main guys that Jesus poured his life into that he taught. And, and Peter, you see throughout the, new, the, the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, messing up, saying things, probably put, should have put a foot in his mouth a long time ago, and he kept, keeps messing up, but... In the end, uh, when Jesus resurrects and comes back, he charges him with kind of leading, leading the charge of sharing the gospel when Jesus leaves, okay? So when Jesus ascends back to heaven, he said, all right, Peter, go, go take care of my people. Take care of my people. You're, you're in charge. And so that's what he does. And Peter kind of takes the charge and is a leader among leaders. And so he is writing to um, actually— uh, uh, a few different churches. Um, usually it's, it's odd because this is one of the only texts, at least I know of, that is not written to a specific person. Usually it's uh, the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy or Apostle Paul writing to a specific church. 
But Peter is writing to a few different places. All of them are in Asia Minor, which is now modern-day Turkey. And this is under the Roman rule. And he's writing to, you see in the very first um, chapter, actually the first few lines of First Peter, you see he's writing to Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Those all sound like really, really good foods. I don't know. That's just, I always think of food anyway, so it doesn't matter. <coughs> and so since it's under Roman rule, um, the Romans hated Christians because they served a king that wasn't theirs and they were a threat to their own kingdom. And so these people are being persecuted. They're being, their lives are being destroyed. They're actually, he writes to them as they were exiles, like they didn't belong there, like they were kicked out of their home, like they didn't belong. And so he's writing to these people who are suffering, who are, who are losing their lives, who are losing their family members because they follow Jesus. And so what he's writing to them throughout all of 1 Peter, he's talking about how to deal with suffering. He's talking about how you should continue to serve and, and respect the authority, but also how to navigate your fit and how to use that to love others and to glorify God. So just think about that. Think about these people who are being persecuted, families being destroyed, and people being killed. And this is what Peter's writing to them. So this is the context of this passage. So keep that in your mind throughout this, this whole uh, message. And so here's, here's the idea, that the big idea I think Peter's trying to get at is don't throw away the puzzle, okay? Don't get frustrated, don't get too upset, right? Don't, get, don't throw away that puzzle. I'm going to help you out. Here are some tips. Here are some ways that you can keep moving forward. And so I've found a few things that kind of stuck out to me. And I'm going to break this verse by verse um, for us right now. <clears throat> so at the beginning, you see it says in 1 Peter 4, um, each of you, each of you, should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others. Each of you. He's writing to a gospel-centered, a Jesus-centered community. Not just you and you. And it's not written to Connor when I read the Bible. It's not like, oh, Jesus is speaking to me. Like, just me. It's, I'm special, right? Right? No, he's writing to all of us, a gospel-centered community. He's writing to all of us. And so that means... He understands the importance of what we're doing right now, us gathering together, and not just on Sundays, but throughout the week, right? And so us being in a community and loving one another is massive. And here, here's the two things I found that I think Peter is trying to share with us in, in, this, um, in, in this passage uh, around gospel-centered community is, again, we've all been given gifts, Right? Whether you're, you're very hospitable, you're really good at greeting people when they're coming through the door, or you make a really good lasagna and you love serving that to, to your friends and have them come over, or you love praying, like you just want to pray for every single person that comes around, or maybe you have a really good listening ear and you're really good at listening to people and hearing their problems and understanding and kind of helping them navigate. Maybe you're really good at manual labor. 
Maybe you just have an eye for that and you love serving people in that capacity. Whatever it is, whatever it is, we should use these things to serve one another. And, 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 I, and I see this. Um, these gifts that we've been given help other people navigate their gifts. Okay, let me say that again. Our gifts help other people navigate their gifts. Now, there's a lot, there's so many things I could say here. Um, but when we bring other people into the puzzle, right? When we bring other people into the puzzle, people have different experiences and, and gifts and ideas and thoughts. And so that's why it's so good to do it as a team, right? Because um, they can see from different angles and things like that. Um, when we come together as a church, as a body, we all have gifts that actually help one another. It's like a, it's like a crazy domino effect, right? Um, and so what I love, this is like actually like my favorite part of my job, um, to help others, to use my gifts to help others understand their gifts. So again, let's just say that you have some leadership qualities. Maybe you, you have just an eye for what's right um, in the eyes of God and you kind of understand and maybe you're a teacher and you can share these, these words and understandings um, with people when you meet with them or in a group or in your community groups or whatever and you can help them understand, hey, you're really good at this. Man, you're, you're really welcoming or you, you really pay attention when I speak. That's, that's a gift, right? Or maybe, maybe you have a gift, right? Let's just use, again, hospitality. And you have gone through life and you've been in this fit for a while. And you've been like a greeter or community group leader or whatever. And you see somebody else. You're like, wow, they remind me of myself. Like I, I used to do that when... I was their age, or, you know, these little things. I noticed I've done that with some of my students. We have a student leadership team, and I'm like, I'm like, oh, you, I was like that. Like, there's, there's certain things that only really myself or anybody else who has that gifting can understand and, and pick out and point out and say, hey, you have that gift. And, and, and other specific gifts um, like counseling and um, administration, things like that can help us navigate and understand, okay, maybe this is where I fit. And so when we come together, we can help one another say, hey, you're really good at this. God has clearly gifted you with something, and I would love to see you live it out. So what that might mean, what that might mean is at the end of this uh, message, you might have to go to the person next to you or somebody that you know here and say, hey, can we get a, uh, a cup of coffee? Or can we get some food sometime? I want to talk to you about something. Because this is, don't, don't pass this by. Don't pass this by because this might be the thing that you've been like searching for, that kind of purpose uh, that, that God has been uh, wired you to do. And maybe he has set somebody out to help you navigate that. That's the only reason I know I'm here it's because I had adults when I was a teenager say, wow, you're a little too comfortable with a microphone. You like to talk a lot, <laughs> right? So I, I, had, I had those people in my life say those things to me, and that's what guided me through. So the, 
other people and other gifts can help us navigate our own gifts. The other thing that I, help, I think helps us understand how to adapt and how to um, continue to move forward is um, the gifts allow, your gifts allow other people, and other people's gifts allow others to keep moving forward. Here's what I mean by that. So when I first got here, I've been here for about three years now, which is just mind-blowing to me. Um, three years. And uh, when I first got here, Pastor Matt was not here. We actually didn't have a pastor. Um, there was nobody on staff. We had an interim pastor um, who was great, who was awesome. I love um, Doc to death. Um, but he wasn't here. And I got hired um, two weeks after I got married. And two weeks uh, after I just moved out of my house for the first time. And so I'm married. I have to pay bills. My mom's not cooking for me anymore. I have all these things, and I just got married. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing, right? And then, icing on the cake, my wife and I decided to get a puppy. Genius, right? I know. Like, man, I, like, all jokes aside, life was really, really hard. And navigating, look, I got, a, I got a degree in youth ministry, and all of you people who are, like, in your field that you studied understand that, like, it only prepares you, like, that much, right? Until you're in it, it's really hard. And it was really hard to navigate and to understand and, and to be in a new environment. Like, I grew up in, in a place in Maryland that was totally different than here, and understanding everything, it, guys, it was hard. It was so difficult. But... Because of the gifts of other people, I'm here today. And I'm actually, I feel, uh, because of them, I've grown. And there's two, two men specifically that I remember early on. And again, there's so many people right here in this parking lot that have been impactful in my life. Um, but these two guys' gifts specifically um, helped me tremendously. Now, their gifts weren't just to help Connor get through uh, job and marriage, but their gifts just played such a huge role in that season of life for me. And so these two gentlemen, um, one was just straight up a cheerleader. He was an encourager. He, he had that, the words of affirmation that I needed to just keep going. Hey, you're doing great. You're working hard. You're do I love it. Keep moving forward. You got this. Now, some of you are like, I don't really need that. I do. Like, I, if you're like me, I need to know, not necessarily praises, but need to know if I'm, if I'm doing a, a decent job or not. And that's what this guy was. The other guy was a little bit different, a little more logical. His job forced him to be a little more professional, um, a little business-like. But he helped me navigate through just the logical understandings of jobs and marriage and him and I would sit down and and the other thing about me is I'm, I'm a big dreamer I'm like yeah let's just do it everything fireworks this that yeah woo like just big dreamer all right and he's like slow your roll big guy all right like let's you're at a 10 let's bring it down to like a five okay because my five is about everybody else's 10 all right let's bring it down a bit let's think about this logically Let's talk through this. Soft-spoken guy, great listener. And because of those two men, I was able to stay in my fit. 
I was able to adapt and I was able to grow. And I'm here today because of those two guys and so many other people. So what I'm saying is this, is that other people's gifting will help you move forward. Don't try to do this by yourself. I don't care if you've been a Christian for 50 years. You still can't do it alone. You still cannot do it with other, without other people's gifts. Pastor Matt talked about this last week, right? You might be a hand. But guess what? The hand is nothing without fingers and a wrist. Right? We need other people's gifts to keep moving forward. Because what ends up happening is we take on these, these um, things, these obstacles that we were never designed to take on. And it's not our gifting. Or we need that support. We need that support system of those people who are just love praying. Those people who are just have that words of encouragement. Those, those people who are great listeners who are really good at counseling people. We need those gifts. And I'll tell you what, man, I think this has been so overlooked, in my opinion, overlooked, especially, especially with head pastors in the sense of we have overlooked sometimes that the head pastor, just because he steps on the stage, that he can do everything. What ends up happening is what we see all throughout the, the, the country is we see pastors burning out because of that. We see people in ministry having moral failures and things like that because of burnout, because they feel like they need to do everything. They are not the entire body. And I think they're thankful for that. We are the body. We work together to support and love one another. So those two things of a gospel-centered community are huge. Now, now, here's, this is the part I've been looking forward to. Because I think, yes, we can have a wonderful community. There's other communities that are great besides the church. But what makes us different? What makes what we're doing here different? So, the, net, the, the later part of that scripture that we just read, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Grace is not the, the life jacket when you mess up. It's not the life jacket. It's the entire boat. It's the engine. It's whatever kind of boat you like, the sail, right? It's the entire boat. It all starts with grace because we wouldn't be here without grace because grace is where we find salvation in Jesus. When we get saved through Jesus, it's because of his amazing grace that we were saved by him from our sins. It starts with Jesus showing us that grace, the grace of us being adopted into a royal family, being sons and daughters of the king. That's grace. Daily forgiveness of our sins is grace. Giving us the Holy Spirit, giving us this, 
this person that's going to help us navigate through life. That's grace. And providing these gifts that allow us to come together as a body, that's grace. Grace is the number one thing that will keep us moving forward. It's where it started and it's where it'll end. Grace is what will sustain us as we move forward. Charles Spurgeon, who he's a famous pastor, theologian, um, he says this idea on, on, uh, in his book, All of Grace, uh, about how central this idea is and how amazing God's grace is. He says this, if we are faithful, it will be because God is faithful, not man. The faithfulness of God is so pure and so good and is, is not tainted. There's no blemish. There's no anything that gets in the way. Unlike us, where there's jealousy and anger and frustration and, and all these uh, disgusting things that sin has done and tainted us. But God's grace is pure and it's beautiful. It's the thing that keeps us moving forward. It, Tim Keller, who's another famous pastor, says, God is the only being that loves you because he loves you. Every other being has a condition for love. He shows us grace continuously because he loves us. Now, my question for you is this. The God of the universe who created you can show you grace. Why are you not showing yourself grace? If God, the ultimate authority, has already forgiven you, why do we continue to let failures dominate us? Why do we allow our mess-ups to identify us, to keep us from finding our fit? That's a hard question, right? Because I'm still asking myself, why? God, why? Do I keep not giving myself the grace that you've given me? Grace is the only thing that will get you to the finish line. Because if you don't show yourself grace and you mess up, which you will, which I do, you won't make it. Because failure has, has tainted us. And I see this so much. I see that in the students that I that I talk to they they just can't fail failure like it's the worst thing in the world and so what ends up happening is when we don't show ourselves grace when we don't accept the grace of God I see I've seen two things happen two things might be more but this is what I've seen you either become lazy you become lazy because you don't want to fail because you're like I'm gonna mess up anyways why does it matter So I'm not going to try. So I'm just going to sit here. Or you become a workaholic because you you cannot fathom the idea of being identified as a failure. So you need to prove, you need to show everybody. You can see, look, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this. And I worked really hard. You saw me staying up the hours of the night, right, working on this puzzle. Right? That's what happens to us when we don't rely on grace. You won't see the finished product. You won't see the beautiful picture of that puzzle if you don't show us that, if you don't show yourself that grace. Ultimately, it is God 
is the one that is working through us. His grace allows us to be free from failure. Free from failure. Not saying we won't fail. Hear me on that. You will fail. But grace is the thing that continues to pick you back up. Grace is the thing that will keep you moving forward. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I, I beg you to understand this because I've seen people who get so frustrated because they're like, God, why aren't you, why aren't you doing something? Why aren't you figuring this out? And then they end up throwing the whole puzzle away. But what they don't realize is that the grace of God continues day in and day out to shine on their failures. To show them that God's grace is enough. That failure is not what your identity is. It's a son or daughter of the king. Grace is what keeps us moving forward and it never ends. So that means, that means something for us. So I, I, I haven't been in ministry long, like I said, three years, but what I've seen is this. People's picture of God is determined by their interactions with people, which is just insane to me, right? Because when we look at all of us, we're all imperfect. And we're trying to say, you are a representation of God when we're not perfect and there's a perfect God out there. So what we've done is we've used our experiences of others to take that picture and say, all right, there's no grace for me. What the heck? I don't deserve grace because these people didn't show me grace. So, and obviously that, that, that is on... Um, at some level, that is on that person to accept that grace from God, right? To understand and to navigate and figure out, all right, my relationship with God um, and things like that. But that means something for us. That means something for every single one of you who is in this parking lot right now. We need to be a people of grace. We need to be a people of grace. Because here's the thing. When you're trying to figure out you're fit, you're going to fail. Like when you try to put a puzzle piece that doesn't work in a spot, it doesn't work. You failed. But we need to be a people that says, hey, I still love you. Nothing's changed. Everything's great. I love you. Hey, I'm going to help you figure out your fit though. I'm going to do something that's going to lead you towards that fit. And so we need to be a people of grace because what I've seen is this. I've seen this. Um, I've seen people go into a situation where they're trying to figure out, man, where, what is my gift? What am I good at? And people ridiculing them for not being good enough. I've seen it happen. And it breaks my heart. I don't want to see us as a church, somebody who's coming in and even trying to figure out um, Christianity or trying to figure out where they fit in this life and us just ridicule them. And we don't, sometimes we don't realize that we do it. And maybe ridicule is not the right word, but we don't show them grace. Y'all, it's okay if you go and volunteer in a ministry and you're like, uh-uh, that's not me. 
Y'all, my first internship, my first internship was from babies newborn all the way to college. Baby newborns to college. Y'all, there's a reason I'm a youth pastor today for teenagers. All right? They put me with those, how do I say this nicely? Those sweet children. Those sweet children. And I walked out with marker all over my face. You guys have probably seen it here at the church with your lovely children um, that come and just attack me. For some reason, children love to tackle me. So obviously, I think that's God saying like, hey, don't go back there. Don't go back that hallway, okay? But that was the cool part about my internship because the person overseeing me says, hey, you're going to try every single grade. And it was, a, it was a little bit bigger of a church, and so they literally had a class for every grade. And guess what? I did every class. I even went to a sixth grader uh, all-nighter, my first all-nighter ever, and I experienced the most rancid B.O. I've ever smelled in my entire life. And like a mixture of Doritos while watching like Moana or something like that. But that's okay. It's okay that we can go into a situation and we can say, hey, I'm not good at this or this is not my fit. But it's on us, the rest of us to say, we still love you. You're still a part of the body. We need to be a people of grace. I'm going to keep trying to move forward. The third thing I see in, in this passage, and I'll just read this for you guys. Um, verse 11, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. You and I need to remember whose puzzle it is. You and I need to remember whose puzzle it really is. We really want that control though, right? It's real tempting to say, hey, I, I got an idea. But we have to remember whose puzzle it really is. Proverbs um, says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. John 15, 5 says, I'm the vine, you are the branch. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit apart from me. Hear this. Don't skip this. Apart from me, you can do nothing. To continue doing the Lord's work, to do what God has called you to do, to stay in your fit. You need to rely on God's strength. It's different than grace, okay? You need to rely on strength because grace is when we mess up, when we fail, that continuous forgiveness. Strength is like gas in the motor. It's like calories in your system that get you moving forward. We need to lean on the strength of God and the word of God. Because you see in this, in this passage, Peter does something really cool. And I love when I was reading commentaries. Um, he basically split these two um, categories up of the gifts of saying, hey, there's speaking gifts. And then there's like working like, um, uh, like physical gifts. Um, and it was really cool to see. And he's still saying, you need to rely on God's strength, God's word. Rely on him 
to continue to do these things. I see this happen when, when people try. It's like this, okay? Some of you, during quarantine, you did some house renovations probably. Probably took 100 trips to Lowe's or Home Depot, right? You looked at something in your house, right? Let's just say a fireplace, right? You made a fire, fire pit in your backyard, and you're like, all right, we're going to make this. And you're like, all right, I'm going to figure this out. You draw something up. You drop a plan. You're like, all right, let's get to work. All right, let's keep going. But you haven't gone to Home, uh, home Depot or Lowe's yet. That's what it's like trying to do God's work without him. It's trying to bear fruit when you have nothing. When you're pulling from nothing. We need to rely on God's strength. And, and so this, that's such like a general term. I remember growing up, like, what do you mean? What do you, like, what, what do I do? Okay, Connor, tell me what to do. Like, what do I need to do to rely on God's strength? And, and I was praying about it. I was thinking about it. I kept like processing through like, okay, what does that mean in my life and what I've seen in scripture? And I think the perfect example is when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And for those of you who don't know, this is right before Jesus was arrested and crucified. He knew, he knew the time was coming. And so he went off into the garden and he prayed alone. And this is, this is what the scripture says. Um, Pray that you will, you will not fall into temp- temptation. He withdrew about a stone's uh, throw beyond them, the disciples, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. And an angel of he- from heaven appeared to him, strengthened him, and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Now, I'm not saying an angel's gonna come and give you a, a shot in the arm and say, all right, here you go. Pfft, that's your strength for today, right? No, he, Jesus, um, what's the word I'm looking for? He surrounded himself. He soaked himself. He saturated himself in God's presence. He went to God and earnestly prayed Prayed so hard that blood came from his tears. When he said, not my will, but yet, but yours be done. He is saying, not only, hey, I'm handing this over to you. I'm obeying you. But he's saying, God, help me get there. Because I don't want to be nailed to this cross. I don't want to go through this pain. Only through your strength can I get there. So what he means by that, what I mean by that is let's live a life that is just soaked in the gospel, in the good news of Jesus coming down and bringing the kingdom of heaven here on earth, dying for our sins and rising again. Let's be soaked in it. Let's be with people who love the gospel, hear songs about the gospel, read about the gospel, think, remind ourselves about the gospel, because that is the only thing that is going to get you through to the end to see the picture. Everyone, adapting is about the glory of God. It's about God. 
It's about what he can do through you and I, through the grace and the strength and the people that he's put in our lives. Adapting is about the glory of God, where we fit. It's about the glory of God. The end result of being adaptive is God be gloried forever and ever. Amen. The other result of being adaptive is others get to know who Jesus is. We get to use our gifts to share the good news. We get to use our gifts to help and love other people because we get to be like Jesus. And the last thing, and I'll just read this passage from Romans. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. At the end of your life, you'll get to look back at those puzzles. The puzzle that is that you worked so hard on, that you messed up on, but God saw you through. And you get to look at that beautiful picture and you get to rejoice and be glad. So here's my question to you. Do you want to continue to see unfinished projects go unfinished? Unfinished puzzles go unfinished. Do you want to continue your life of throwing away the puzzle? Do you want to continue to try and do things on your own? Or do you want to allow allow the church, the gospel-centered community to help you the grace of God to sustain you and the strength of God to keep you moving forward. Let's pray. Lord, we love you so much. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your grace that continues every single day of our lives. Thank you for your strength. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your love and loving us because you love us. Lord, I pray for anybody in this this place right now, God, that just, that needs you, needs your strength, needs your grace, needs somebody, needs somebody's particular gift, God. Would you please allow that to happen? Allow them to accept your grace. Allow them to know your strength, God. Lord, we love you. We lift this up in your glorious name. Amen.